My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast. CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I am your host. It is you're listening to the podcast in audio format monday monday april 25th i know that breach john breach because saturday is april 23rd it's my wife's birthday she'll be 31 that's a lie and uh that two days later is obviously monday so happy belated birthday to my wife on audio format happy early birthday to my wife my lovely wife ak in YouTube format because we are live at 1 p.m. as we are every day, every weekday for the rest of time. Currently, Friday, April 22nd. We're going to talk some Kyler Murray, some news and notes, and then we'll hit a mailbag. And then we'll hit a mailbag. And, you know, if Brinson is is not around to host draft coverage next week, it's because he forgot his wife's birthday on Saturday. Mentions it on YouTube, mentions it on the podcast, and then just totally uh, forgets to celebrate it on Saturday. That'd she be a texted me on Friday. Um, she was like, "I, you know what? So I'm, I'm the coach of Robbie, my son's flag football team. Myself, and my, uh, we're the Bills, actually. What? Yeah, I, I actually, you know what? Like, I know that I'm a like not considered a great football mind, like an X's and O's guy, but I installed a pretty sick jet sweep based system that, ba- that like, uh, so basically, so you're basically uh, the Kyle Shanahan of this flag football league. It's Kyle Shanahan based. It is. So it's like um, you have, let's see, it's six total players, six on six, eight-year-olds, seven, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds. And I did. I built a, uh, a tri- uh, triple stack wide receiver on the right side, single wide receiver left. And it, you basically have uh, the jet sweeps function. One of the receivers runs the jet sweep. It's either red, blue, or green, depending on what we call in the, in the huddle. And then you can do a red one is the jet sweep around to the left. Red two is the reverse. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's, it's not that like amazing, but it, it's working. Now you just need to incorporate some throwing into the jet sweeps. Oh yeah. That's next. This is, that's this week. The team's going to be unbeatable. I can't wait until your son turns into Debo Samuel and starts demanding a trade. Doing it, it, yeah, that's right. Somebody's good. I mean, if I were playing on my team, I'd demand a trade too. Um, we let the kids name the pass plays and they were like, we want to call it purple nurple. So that's you, a great name you, for a pass play. No. Um, anywho. <laughs> purple Nurple. Purple Nurple. Uh, oh, Andrew Schaefer in the chat says his actual 31st birthday is today. I was joking about my wife turning 31. She's not 31. But happy birthday, Andrew. Andrew Schaefer has an Earth Day birthday. Mike, Mike Kenny asked, what do you do when the kids are colorblind? Well, there's no actual colors. We just say the the color. Like the, the, it's, well, it's what crazy. if they can't? What if they can't hear color? Did you think about that one, Brenton? I, I I didn't. I didn't. I would have <laughs> had that been an issue at practice. I would have found a uh, alternative, maybe numbers, letters, anything. Oh boy. 
this is <laughs> this this podcast. I cannot wait off, to fly to Raleigh. Absolutely off the rails. See this flag football team in action. We oh uh, so the the team I haven't been there the last um, I wasn't there the last week, but the last game that I was there to coach the other team was coached by a guy wearing a Navy midshipman shirt and was it had a like printed out play sheet. Oh no, he actually played at Navy. Afterwards, I talked to him and he, he said he played at Navy. And um, I, I regret to inform everyone that we crushed him. Well, I was going to say, so based on the coach description, it sounds like a little giant situation where he's Al Bundy and you're Rick Moranis. And you're That's just a great call. Drawing up these crazy plays and somehow winning. No one knows how. You have to run the annexation of Puerto Rico at some point. And I was wearing like some obnoxious like Super Bowl pullover. I was wearing that, the, big, the big gold Super Bowl pullover. So he's like, he's like who is this? short blogger that's smashing my navy midshipman uh that's hilarious yeah um we're off the rails already yeah probably will continue to be that way um so on thursday night we're gonna talk about this really quickly or thursday afternoon i guess uh steve kime arizona cardinals gm who is very typically very upfront with the media and not afraid to say what he thinks and say what he means was asked about trading Kyler Murray. He said, quote, zero chance, which I think breach was kind of obvious. They weren't trading Kyler Murray. It's not like this is a Russell Wilson situation. He's, he's on his rookie deal. And Kyler came out later and said he wants to win Super Bowls. And, I don't know, you fill me in on whatever, Kyler, whatever else Kyler did. I felt like it was, I mean, I know it's important and we need to talk about it, but it does feel like this, like, this little saga with the Cardinals is, is just annoying. Yeah, I do agree that it is annoying, but I don't think this was uh, – If I mean, if you would ask me a week ago, I would have put a Kyler trade at 50-50 because that's what it felt like. It felt like Kyler Murray wanted out. He wants a new contract. The team has not made any contract offers, and uh, Kyler Murray's agent made sure to – was following the public in every step of the way on how bad it is to play for and negotiate with an organization like the Cardinals. So when you're just throwing the team under the bus – that's not a good sign uh, or deleting them from your social media or doing anything else. So it had all Brent, it had all the perfect signs of a breakup. We've all been there and that's where it seemed like it was going. But I would say based on what not just Steve Kime, but Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell said Thursday, um, he basically said, yeah, that's not happening. We're not trading Kyler. And so it seems like they're on the same page. And I thought the interesting thing that Kime said is that, uh, hey, look, we have the draft, and then we'll take a deep breath and sort of refocus. That's sort of the reason every other player that has been a third-year quarterback has been extended in the middle of the summer or late summer, end quote. So Kyle's basically saying that usually uh, when you're eligible for this extension as a quarterback, you don't get it in April. You get it in June. You get it in July. That's what happened with Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, and that Kyler just needs to be patient. And I feel like uh, Kyler Murray finally got that, finally understood that some reason because, as you said, he chimed in on Twitter and said, I want to win Super Bowls with the Cardinals. Arizona is home. And that was big because that was the first time he's really come out and said that. I know he did an interview after a golf tournament, but he's not going to throw the Cardinals under the bus and start some controversy during a golf tournament interview. This was the first time where uh, unprovoked, nobody asked him to do it. He just went on Twitter and supported the Cardinals, uh, which is a huge time because four months ago, he deleted the Cardinals from his Twitter. So, oh, yeah. Feel like he's come full circle here. So I, I would say last week I was 50-50 on a Murray Cardinals trade. This week it feels like uh 90-10. I was always zero percent Kyler Murray trade. Like I, I mean, let's think about this. 
the way that this has been, first of all, I think um, Eric Burkhart does a great job as an agent, but the way that he, the way that he and Kyler have handled this is just not how you do business. Like Kyler's been very good. Kyler at some points in the past two years has been considered an MVP candidate. Has he ever been at like an absolutely elite quarterback? No, there are very big highs and, and, and some lows. And, there are definitely some concerns about, is he going to take that next step? Can he, can he get the Cardinals to a championship? Can he get the, can he, you know what? Can he get the Cardinals a playoff win? How about that? And to come out like in the, like immediately following the Super Bowl and issue this passive aggressive, passive aggressive statement where you call it the Cardinals and you, you, you know, basically throw everybody under the bus and demand a new contract again, without actually asking for one. When it's it should be obvious to anyone who follows pro football that if you're going to get a contract like this, you get it after the draft. So trying to leverage the Cardinals by doing it before the draft to me felt like bad business. And now everybody's having to walk everything back. They're not going to trade him. They can pick up his fifth year option. They can franchise tag him three times. He's not going anywhere. If he wants to be, if he wants to move while on the rookie deal. He's going to have to play out those years, like Kirk Cousins, like maybe Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so but if he, if he had been willing to hold out, though, which he implied, does no, that change anything? Hold and, holdouts don't happen anymore. And how much? Well, I mean, it, people haven't been threatening holdouts, but he threatened one. If he holds out, he just loses money, and he his contract will toll. And you think the Cardinals are okay with their starting quarterback? Not, you know, that's not enough for something to get done. I think that any professional football team understands how much leverage they have in the new CBA and will not be held hostage by a single player, even a franchise quarterback. Well, I think Unless it's like Aaron Rodgers and, you know, the deal is up and you got to figure something out. Right. Well, the one thing I will say is that, and the one thing that kind of throws a wrench in the Kyler Murray situation and what makes it so interesting is and you kind of alluded to this without bringing up the money, but how much money do you give Kyler Murray? You know, as you said, he has not won a playoff game. At times, he looks like an MVP. At other times, he looks like a poor man's Baker Mayfield, where you just don't know if he's going to, you don't know how he's going to look. So do you give him Deshaun Watson money, $46 million? No, no. Do you, do you give him $40 million? He's going to ask for he, top he, of the market. He has to get $40 plus million, $40 million plus. Like, so, and at what number are you saying, yeah, we're not giving you that? 43, 44, 45? Well, I mean, if, if I'm Steve Kime and Michael Bid, or, and Bidwell, you know, uh, it, it's it probably depends on the structure, right? Like, if you want Derek Carr's contract, <laughs> yeah, buddy. And by, and by the way, that's... how long ago was Derek Carr's contract announced? Like a week? Yeah. Have you heard, have you seen one tweet about the guaranteed money? Because I haven't. Like, no one is talking, there's, I bet there's no guarantee. No, I, I think Florio had a breakdown of the contract, the entire contract, and basically... Uh, car, so it's is, like a one year deal, it's like a he, series he of one year deals. like 24 and a half million up front. Which, if he had not signed the contract, he only had 19 million dollars for 2022, so it's a five and a half million dollar raise, and then it's basically year to year after that. So, if the Raiders want to get out of it after 2022, they're only out like 25 million dollars, and that's good for both sides because if you're Josh McDaniels, you don't want to be locked in, stuck with a, a quarterback you don't want to work with. So they can get rid of him after 2022, and it's good for Derek Carr because he gets, you know, one year guaranteed with his buddy Devontae Adams. And if they look awesome, then 
you know, he'll play out the rest of the contract. What are you? What are you, Derek Carr's agent? You, John? No, I'm. I'm saying this is a great deal for the Raiders and Josh McDaniel. And and if Derek Carr signed it, he's obviously happy with it. I am. Basically, you got a four million dollar raise. Could you imagine? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But but like it was it was sold to like the media was like or sold to the fans is like a forty million dollar contract for Derek Carr. He got a four million dollar raise, and they can. And it's year to year after that. Right, like, right. And I think just, Carr thinks there's no way he's getting cut after this year. So he's going to see, you know, at least year two of that contract. For sure. But my point is that if Kyler wants $45 million, if Kyler wants $50 million a year, and he'll do it on the Derek Carr contract style, I'll do it in a heartbeat. Well, you know who who was the original Derek Carr contract? Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr. <laughs> Andy Dalton. Oh, it is the Andy Dalton. He got that like six-year, $120 million deal. And everybody's like, oh, my God, that's huge. And then 49ers did the same thing with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, and, and again. And later did it with Jimmy Garoppolo. At, at, I mean, and the 49ers and Bengals are famous for that. So, uh, yeah. But I would think that Kyler Murray would take as a slap in the face if the uh, Cardinals just erased Derek Carr's name from that contract, put Kyler Murray's in, and was like, all right, man, we need you to sign this. It's $40 million a year, but you have one year guaranteed. I think Kyler is a little worried that he might have a Lamar situation without the Lamar credentials where, you know, Lamar, we're talking about Lamar, maybe getting a contract extension and then 2021 happens and and Lamar was good, but he wasn't, you know, MVP Lamar in 2021 for various reasons, running game injuries to the offensive line, et cetera, et cetera. But like if Kyler takes any sort of step back this year, the Cardinals have even more leverage to say, we're not going to give you this insane guaranteed contract that you want, you know? And so I think maybe that's why he's pressing here. They thought that they could force the Cardinals hand, knowing that the only time all these quarterbacks have been traded and the only method for the Cardinals to acquire another quarterback is through the draft at this point. But like the Cardinals, are, they're, they're just not going to trade Kyler. They're going to give him a contract. It's not going to be as much money as he wants. It's going to be propped up guaranteed. Or it's going to be propped up average annual value. Let me ask you this, Brenton. Would you rather pay Kyler Murray $40 million for 2022 or pay Baker Mayfield $18 million? I mean, Baker. <laughs> 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 for $22 million extra? I'm just saying. I mean, a lot with $22 million, <laughs> Uh, you know, if you were going to trade Kyler, that's how you, you you say, you know what, why don't we bring in Baker on the cheap? And then, and, and, and do okay, Kyler and Baker are boys, right? Oh, maybe. I, I don't know. There's something they're like best friends, no, no, but no, 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 you can't bring in Baker because Baker and Cliff hate each other because Baker was at Texas Tech and transferred to Oklahoma because he it, it, from, from, right, 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 right. Just, yeah, you can't bring Baker, you can't bring into Arizona unless you were trying to like. Royally screw Cliff. <laughs> like, like, hey, Cliff, I know we just signed you to an extension, but Kyler's gone, and the guy that you can't work with is here. Oh, man. It's yeah. just interesting to think about. I, I don't know. It's just it's just like, I don't understand why Kyler's camp is trying to drag, like, drum up all this, like, attention. Just put your head down. Grind through the offseason. You're not going to sign a – no no quarterback – I mean – you just don't see those sort of third-year quarterback extensions at this point in time, right? Or am I, maybe I'm wrong. I'm a, well, I mean, that's what we were saying is that there are, but it's few and far between. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, 
uh, are the two good ones. But then Jared Goff and Carson Wentz also kind of finagled their way into those early contracts. And that blew up in the face of the teams that did it. So there's no. Uh, actually, maybe I'm wrong. Um, no, wait. I'm trying to figure out when Goff signed his extension. He signed it in, is in the summer. It was like, yeah. Or it was, it was late, it's which September is third. Nobody does it in Nobody a, does it in March. You don't it, do these contracts before the draft. Even Mahomes didn't get his until the summer. And Mahomes was clearly the guy. You know, there was, there's questions about whether Kyler Murray can be, get his team to Super Bowls like Patrick Mahomes can. But even Mahomes had to wait. So you, you have don't, you don't sign these deals in February and March, right? The teams get through the the teams get under the under the cap. They get through free agency. They get through the draft, and then you figure out how you want to handle that contract extension for your quarterback. It was June sixth when Carson Wentz and the Eagles signed a contract. No one signs these deals in February and March. What what is the thought process for demanding it at that point? I have no idea. And that's the crazy thing is that if you're Kyler Murray's agent, you realize that this is not how business is done. Nobody no, this has never been done they're, because the team's trying to plan for free agency. They're trying to plan for the draft. They have these things on their plate and they're saying, Kyler, you're in a contract for two more years. We'll get to you this off season, but we're not going to do it right this second because it's not high on the priority list. And the, the weird thing too, is that uh, Burkhart is also Cliff Kingsbury's agent. And Cliff Kingsbury has gotten an extension from the Cardinals. The whole thing is bizarre. Very, yeah, it's very, it's very bizarre. Anywho, um, do you want to dive into the mailbag? Should we dive into the? Ah, we'll take a break. We'll take a break first, and we'll come back, and then we'll do the mailbag next. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, time for some mailbag questions. Yeah, it is. Can you imagine, I, like, Breach, is it, are you, like, I wish I could do anything as elitely as you do the imitation of the PTI mailbag. You know, all credit to PTI <laughs> and that voiceover guy, because I literally, the voice yeah. cracked, it cracked me up when that show started in like 2004 and I was way younger and I'd get drunk and just go, mailbag, and, and because that's what drunk college kids do, and uh, I thought it was hilarious, no one else did. Uh, I can't do it because I, my voice is kind of teetering on 
crackling because I was at a concert last night. Um, saw Little Feet. I don't know if you know Little Feet. They're fantastic. I know Big Feet, and I know Little Foot the Dinosaur from Land Before Time. Do not know Little Feet. That's the, no, Little Feet, uh, maybe the most underrated band in music history. Ooh. I know that sounds insane, but it's true. Um, we were, they are kind of an old person band. And by old person, what I mean is not me, but like old, old people. I would say that of the, like the group that we were with was all my friends, my age. We were probably the youngest people in the theater by 10 to 15. How old are the people in the band? One guy looked like he was 90. Okay. They had some younger guys they brought in too, but like these guys are old. Should they be called old feet? They smashed too, man. They should probably be called. Yeah, probably. Um, Jalen LeGrant points out, I am an elite. Yes. All right. So, okay. Uh, uh, Nada, throw up uh, John Olson's comment there about waiting for Columbus, the GOAT live album. So that's the tour they're doing. They play the whole live album. Like, waiting for Columbus is like, uh, the album from Little Feet is a compilation of live tracks from their tour back in the 70s. How is the only other fan of Little Feet in the chat podcast right now? It's unbelievable. Real real people know who Little Feet are. and I'm, I'm a real person, Brinson. No, no, no. Real smart people. And they basically played the entire Waiting for Columbus live album last night. There were like probably 12 people standing up in the crowd. The guy in front of me physically could not stand up. That's how old he was. Um, let's see. I'm trying to see how old these guys are. The, the original uh, uh, Lowell George died. Let's see. What, what, the keyboardist was born in 1949. Okay, that's old. Yeah, it's pretty old. Anywho. 70, he's going to be 73 this year if he hasn't not had his birthday. Yeah. And yeah. as Jalen LeGrant points out, I am an elite humble bragger. Maybe the best humble bragger. Uh, and real quick to close our conversation uh, about Kyler Murray, here is the list of quarterbacks that signed after their third year. It's a really short list. We already talked about most of them. Allen, Mahomes, Goff, Wentz. The other two, Deshaun Watson and Ryan Tannehill. Oh, and Tannehill, uh, Tannehill was, got a Dalton contract. And Tannehill got his contract the earliest. He got it in May. So no one else ever got their contract after the third year before May. So the fact that Kyra was asking in February is just insane. Insane. In the uh, Tony Pritchard says, can't play it on two times speed if we're watching live. Yeah. You can't fast forward live. Should we talk faster? We can talk faster and then we can talk faster. And then I don't, know. don't move two times speed. Yeah, that's too much. You like the micro machine guy? <laughs> do you think kids don't know who micro machines are do they Not everybody knows micro machines oh man man all right let's get to the mailbag titans draft from luke d08 oh nada okay nada is i mean I don't, is Devo's, I don't Devo, Devo's fired from the mailbag i know nada's got the, <laughs> he's got the look he's got the mailbag question on the screen who do you think the titans should take during the draft or do you think the titans should trade up to try to get matt corral from luke d Oh, eight. I um, do not think anybody in this draft should trade up to get any quarterback. I, I like some of the quarterbacks. I like Matt Corral a lot. Tough. Has a, like uh, an ability to throw Like It's hard to know about the anticipation when it comes to Corral because he's in that RPO system. But he can put it into tight windows. He's, uh, you know, a, I don't want to call him a sneaky athlete because I'll get in, you know, that's like the Andrew Locke's a sneaky athlete. He's a professional quarterback. He's not a sneaky athlete. He's just an athlete. Um, 
Malik Willis has an absolute hose, but you know, you have to, you know, he played at Liberty. Like we don't, we don't, I, I, he didn't, he didn't look very good when he played in Raleigh, but he played well against some, you know, bigger schools. I think in the right system, he could be a monster. Same for Matt Corral. Kenny Pickett, I like, but he seems like more of a floor versus ceiling guy. And Desmond Ritter is the guy who's getting a lot of buzz as the first quarterback to be taken in this draft. Sort of like side buzz. Yeah. But no, they should not trade up. I would not draft a quarterback in this draft. I would say the other thing, the other reason they shouldn't trade up is because it's the Titans and no one is better at blowing first round picks than the Tennessee Titans. John Robinson has been great. If his one, his one Achilles heel, if you will, his one fatal flaw is that he just has been blowing first round picks. You look at the Titans uh, since 2017, <clears throat> excuse me, three of their six picks, first round picks since 2017 aren't even on the team anymore. And you have guys over the past five years and already be missing three of them. We don't even know if Caleb Farley is going to be any good because he tore his ACL last year. So that's now four out of six. Jeffrey Simmons is the only absolute stud so far. And they um, only got him because he tore his ACL, like working out for the draft and he fell in the process. Right. So if I'm a Titans fan, if I want any trade, I almost want him to just trade out of the first round and get all the pressure. But you don't want any pressure on John Robinson right now, just because of how much struggling uh, they've had in the first round. Corey Davis, one of those picks, was Sean Evans, who just signed with the Falcons this offseason. And then the total disaster that was Isaiah Wilson. In Isaiah Wilson. Now, now, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's avocado here a little bit on the Titans. And I, I don't disagree with you. They have botched this badly. The two, the two biggest mistakes they made, at least in terms of, like, not that Corey Davis is great with the Jets, but he was, you know, I mean, you would have liked to have him last year instead of trading a second-round pick for Julio Jones. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Jack Conklin. I mean, a horrendous mistake. He was an all-pro his first year as a rookie. Like, maybe, I don't know. But that's I, part of this process, that you, like, don't understand what you have. I don't don't ask, I don't know. Take a, just take a flyer on the fifth-year option. Like, it's not going to kill you. They did the same thing with Corey Davis, and he got to walk. Rashawn Evans, you know, I mean. Didn't pick up his option in place for the Falcons. Then. He didn't pick up his option either. Yep. Simmons, the, the 2019 draft with Simmons and A.J. Brown as one and two is looks fantastic, but you're going to have so one good draft in five years doesn't excuse our, our one good top of the draft I, I just, in five years doesn't. Isaiah Wilson, an absolute disaster. Caleb Farley, TBD. But the, the other thing I was going to say is their picks have been Conklin was at eight, Corey Davis at five. That was, a, that was just a bad pick, by the way. A 2000, you could have had Patrick Mahomes. Um, or anybody else, then 22, 19, 29, and 22. So, like, I'm not trying to give them a pat. Like, I don't know. It's a, it's sort of like the Belichick Pats drafting thing where – I just said first-round picks, Brenton. <laughs> How is your voice? I, my, it's, not, it's, I don't know. Was, was I at the little V concert? I just don't remember it. Uh, but Maybe you're a big feat. Just the first-round picks. They do fine with the rest of the draft. It's just yeah. they've struggled early. I, I'm just saying the last few drafts they've been picking late in the first round, which inherently makes it more difficult. But Corey Davis, fifth overall, didn't pan out. So, yeah. And look, I mean, I, I, if I were, if I were a Titans fan, I think I would want an offensive lineman. I mean, they're picking 26 overall. So you could be looking at. Do you have to? Do you kind of have to worry about wide receiver, right? 
I mean, you definitely can think about wide receiver. Trade for Robert Woods, but he's coming off that ACL. I mean, it, the, the wide receiver room in Tennessee is very thin. It was very thin last year before they – it was super thin before they traded for Julio. It was still thin. A.J. Brown got hurt. Julio couldn't produce. And so now it's like if something happens with A.J. Brown this year, Robert Woods is your one and like Nick Akini Westbrook is your two or Des Fitzpatrick. I, I wouldn't mind adding another wide receiver. I would be fine if they went offensive line. There's going to be some guys down there in the – depending on how the draft plays out where it's possible like Traylon Burks is there. It's possible Tyler Smith or Zion Johnson are there. Uh, Johnson, the BC interior offensive lineman, or Tyler Smith, the tackle from Tulane. Uh, Prisco, or uh, Tulsa, excuse me. Uh, Prisco was texting about it, and um, he thinks Smith might go higher than people think. So keep that, you know, tuck that one away if you've got a, if you can, if you can bet it, I think DraftKings, I think DraftKings probably has him plus money to go in the first round. That's probably a good look. See Tyler Smith. There's a t- um, plus one ten to go in the first round for Tyler Smith. I would bet that if I had access to DraftKings, which you do, Breach. Do I? Don't you? Maybe, probably. DraftKings has tons of props available for the draft. I I'm gonna check out. I have bet MGM because that was the first one in Tennessee, and then I didn't look at the other ones that are available. I think everything's here now. We got nothing in North Carolina, huh? nothing the gambling guy has lives in a state you need to move you need to call cbs and tell them to pay for you to move to a state that has legalized gambling you want me to call them for you sure i'm putting a good word in i moved to nashville <laughs> hey, no state taxes man it'd be like getting a raise i would i would move to tennessee in a heartbeat i love tennessee aren't you from there didn't you go to high school here i'm not from i'm from north carolina but i went to high school in tennessee yes guys brinson went to a private school in case anyone wants to know actually, how brinson actually, turned out to be brinson Actually left a private school and went to a private boarding school. That's, I don't know if that's better or worse. That's it's worse. It's way worse. Okay, <laughs> way worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you um, offensive line, wide receiver would be fine for the Titans. If, if you know, if they at, at twenty six, I also think you want to go best player available too, or you don't want to like, you know, because you're not looking at no, like, you know, you're not getting in a top of the top tier player at the position. So why not? you know, get best player available. Yep. So that's what I would hope for if I was a Titans fan. And honestly, on the quarterback side... Kenyon Green or Zion Johnson fell in their lap, they would be pretty thrilled with that. Probably. Also, if if you want to take a quarterback, if they... Sorry. If they do take a quarterback, I wouldn't be shocked. Because I think one of the underrated things of the last few weeks that really no one is talking about is that Ryan Tannehill is not at the off-season workouts. And he's expected to be there, quote, shortly. That's kind of a red flag, given that I believe he has... This, is, this may be the last year of his contract. At most, he has two years left, I think. Yep, two years left. But yeah, the, reason, the only reason I'm, that would bug me if I'm in the Titans organization is because it's like, Hey man, the last time we saw you, you threw three interceptions against the Bengals and basically cost us the game because we lost by three points. Maybe you could show up for the first round of voluntary workouts and we can try and uh, work through this. Um, but yeah, Brinson, he has, I think he's yes. under contract through 2023. So he has, yeah, so he has two void years on the back end of his deal. His, his, his uh, cap hit this year is $38.6 million. 
a dead cap number of 57.4. So he can't go anywhere. But next year, $36.6 million cap hit, 18.8 dead cap. So they can save a ton of money by cutting him after this season. And I would guess that Ryan Tannehill's absence from OT, from the, the offseason workouts is directly correlated to the fact that he would like an extension at the age of 34, by the way, or 33. And that the, yeah, he's 33, he'll be uh, 34 this summer, I think. And the Titans have no interest in doing that because of his age. And that's what brings the quarterback into play at 26. Yeah. And you know what, though? If they did take a quarterback, the one interesting thing about Tanhill's contract uh, that you just mentioned is if they traded him after June 1st. This year? After Yes, this year. It'd have to be a trade. They'd pick up that because his base salary is $29 million. So they'd pick up $29 million in cap space. Oh, my God. You're right. So you could draft a quarterback and maybe trade Tannehill it, training camp. Time? I don't know. I mean, like, Wait, it, I it, mean, it's, it's theoretically on the table. What well, once you get, let's say the Panthers don't trade for Baker Mayfield Ooh. and don't draft a quarterback at six. I mean, the draft is, and in, then you see the Titans draft a quarterback and you're David Tepper and you're thinking they don't need that new guy and Ryan Tannehill. I mean, yeah, it, it depends on who the new guy is too. Like, is it, if it's Malik Willis, maybe you want him to sit for a year, but you're right. You would be uh twenty nine million dollars in cap space. His dead cap hit for this year would be nine point six million dollars. That's crazy. And you know who doesn't have a lot of cap space? The Tennessee Titans. Mm, interesting. That's kind of throwing a wrench in the AJ Brown stuff. It's they they would love to have twenty nine million dollars more in cap space. I, I, I do love that the people, the folks in the chat, are like, "Hey, Debo, what about this?" But Debo's not here. <laughs> Nada is running the chat, <laughs> so don't ask Debo any questions. Uh, ask Nada. Question. We'll pass those questions along to Debo. No, we won't. Debo's like. No one talks about my chat. He was um, vaca- on vacation. Um, let me look. There was there were two questions in the chat that I want to get to really quickly. From oh, uh, Jalen the Grant ask. Uh, I have a question that I think is really good. Debu <laughs> was Washington just way ahead of their time with the Cousins contract, considering that's how almost all quarterback contracts seem to go now. Uh, no, the Washington was not ahead of their time, but Washington was not. All right. Washington may have accidentally been ahead of their time. No, it's just, it's a, again, it's the whole debate of, do you have a franchise quarterback? It's, you know, the Andy Dalton scale, not to bring up Andy Dalton again, please uh, credit Chris. it's been a couple months since I brought up Andy Dalton. Exactly. And so you have, if you have a guy like Andy Dalton, you have, if you have a guy better than Andy Dalton, you have a franchise quarterback. If you've got worse than Andy Dalton, then you need a franchise quarterback. And that's where the Kirk Cousins is of the world were falling in, where Jay Gruden did not like Kirk Cousins. He's done several interviews since he, he got fired in Washington, just saying that, you know, Kirk wouldn't do these things I wanted him to do. And he just, so Washington never wanted to give him a big money deal. And so they just kept playing it out year by year by year. Uh, you know, Washington was waiting for Kirk Cousins to fall off a cliff and then saying, all right, we'll move on. But he never did. And they were also waiting for him to maybe leading to uh, NFC title game uh, so they could reward him. But he never did that either. So they were just in quarterback purgatory. And you see that now. That's I feel like the Raiders are kind of we talked about the Derek Carr contract and we saw that with Andy Dalton before. And now Kirk Cousins, there's just these weird situations where you're just in QB purgatory. And that's how the contract makes it look. And the thing that happened with Cousins is. They drafted RG3 in the you know number two overall with a big trade, obviously. They take Cousins in the fourth round in the 2012 draft. And RG3 plays, gets hurt. 
eventually Kirk Cousins takes over and Cousins played well enough to earn money, but the at the time the our skins didn't want to pay him. And there was and Cousins was willing to hold out and keep going year to year because he, you know, he's a fourth round pick. And there was a whole um uh, what's his name? Bruce uh, former GM for Washington. Bruce Allen. Allen, thank you. Bruce Allen purposely called Kirk Cousins the wrong name. What do you call him? Kurt? He called him Kurt. Yeah. Remember in this press conference, he was like, well, what are you gonna do about this cousins contract? He's like, Well, Kurt has earned, you know, a, a decent sized contract. We can't give a ton of money. I mean, there was just animosity between the two sides. Kirk Cousins wasn't willing to get this contract for an organization he didn't believe would commit to him. He knew he could play out these guaranteed one-year deals. He he knew he could stay healthy. He didn't take a ton of hits. Washington didn't want to give him big quarterback money, which it turns out would have just been a Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo contract. And so the two sides butted heads, and eventually he hit free agency. So Washington was accidentally ahead of their time, and Kirk Cousins was actually ahead of his time. All right. Next up on the mailbag. What's the biggest rivalry in the NFL? This is from at Stub 67. In soccer, I'd say Celtic versus Rangers or Boca versus River. Breach, I will give you, I will Venmo you $3 if you can tell me without, put your hand, don't, I want to see typing. Those four teams in soccer, where do they, what are you looking at? Not, not, I'm looking at the team names. Oh, it's on the screen. Celtic, Rangers, Boca, River. If you can get all four, because I don't know the answer. But so uh, you, I'll look it up. You can't lie. If you can get all four, Wilson would know this. Celtic sounds like they play Celtic, in... Probably not Celtic. Right, right, right. That's, that makes more in, sense. In uh, <clears throat> England, somewhere in there. So maybe... What's what's the what's like a smaller league in England? Is that right? I'm gonna I'm gonna look up. It was not a soccer podcast. So I know the least amount of soccer. Um, I, I like I thought I thought it was like in on soccer now, and I don't know. I don't know either of these. Man, um, Celtic. What, what am I? Celtic. I was Ireland. Celtic. I mean, Celtic is clearly Ireland. Right. So, is there an Irish soccer league? <laughs> Why do I get to look like a fool here? This is ridiculous. I mean, I've already. Uh, 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 Celtic versus Rangers is a Scottish Cup matchup. Scottish. Okay, I don't feel that far yeah, off. So there's Scottish. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Boca versus River. Brenton Googling quickly. I'm I, I'm literally, it's an Argentinian Cup. There we go. Ah, Dominic, as always in the chat. Scotland. The other is, uh, no, it's, uh, it's, Argent, it's Argentinian for River versus Boca. I would say, first of all, and Nada probably gave us the clues in the chat that I'm not reading. Ah, there we go. Yes, Nada, as always, all over it. Scottish Premier League. I didn't even know there's a Scottish Premier League. You don't follow Scottish soccer. It's embarrassing. Clearly. Um, as far as, like, the biggest rivalry in the NFL, I would say it's, I mean, I don't know, Breach, you're the AFC North guy. It's probably Steelers versus Ravens, right? Oh, and by the way, the rival between uh, Boca and River is called the Super Classico. Ah, I did Fun didn't fact. Yeah, fun fact. Uh, you know, it is crazy because you look at kind of throughout history, and I feel like maybe there were some historical rivalries like Cowboys-Steelers because they met in the Super Bowl a couple times, and also the NFC East had a bunch of Cowboys-Giants, Cowboys-Eagles, 
but that division has been such trash for 15 years that it feels like you don't have any that are nationally significant. You know, I don't know that anybody in California cares when the Eagles play the Giants. And, and so I think the problem with looking at rivalries right now is that with all these, with all the player movement, you know, Russell Wilson getting traded from the Seahawks to the Broncos kind of kills any rivalry the Seahawks might have had, or Tom Brady leaving the AFC East kills all those Patriots AFC East rivalries. And so, and, and the other thing you have is that like players don't talk trash like they used to. You remember Chad Johnson? He would just, that that was the heyday of like Bengals Steelers uh, because he would talk smack all the time. You just don't see that. So I think it's hard to pick out a rivalry nowadays that's as good as like the old time NFL rivalries were. I, I think right now, yeah, maybe something in the AFC North, but the Steelers just lost Ben Roethlisberger. So maybe Steelers Ravens is tough to put yeah, on the list, even though it's been a great rivalry, but ha- we don't know what it's going to look like going forward. Um, Steelers Ravens was, so I think that these rivalries in, in modern football exist differently than they did back in the day. So like you had like the Steelers and Cowboys were rivals, right? A long time ago. Um, Right, you know, Clarence in the chat mentioning 49ers Cowboys uh, from the 90s. Ex- like, exactly. Crazy. It was like, you know, powerhouse teams pre-free agency or like early free agency, not like it is now where, you know, all the, you know, these battles happen. The problem is almost all of these teams are so cyclical with the exception of, and even really the Pats now, right? Like the Pats bills could be a great rivalry, except the Pats might not be that good anymore. So Bears Packers, yeah, sure. Except Aaron Rodgers last year just reminded Bears fans that he owns them. It's not a rivalry if Rodgers beats your ass every every like twice a year. Bucks, I mean, uh, Saints Falcons is a is a great like like a great Southern hatred rivalry. And as someone who lives in the South, I get it. Like the the extreme, like the sort of the Southern neighborhood, the Southern neighbor like rivalry. I get it, but like. I don't know. It's not, it's not like a prominent NFL rivalry. 49ers Seahawks was awesome when Harbaugh and Pete Carroll were going at it. But that sort of dissipated a bit. They do hate each other. Chiefs Raiders is classic, but, you know, I mean, Andy Reid, what, the Raiders have gotten one or two in the last five or six years? Yeah. And that's the other thing. Coaching rivalries make it interesting. I think Cameron Harbaugh, like you just mentioned, was a great one. That was probably the last great coaching one. Um, and then, the, like, then the NFC East, you know, there's like four or five different rivalries, or like maybe eight rivalries in there, but no one cares because we're sick of seeing these bad teams on our TV. And and the Chiefs have won eight of their last nine against the Raiders, so it's hard to call yes. that a rivalry. Like, exactly. it's just, you know what? You know what rivalry I like right now is Bills, Bills Chiefs, Bills Patriots, and Bills Chiefs would be Bills Chiefs is a good one. Bills anyone. Uh, Bills Chiefs. I like Bills Patriots. You remember after the Patriots won fourteen to ten, and McDermott and, and the somebody in the press conference tried to credit Belichick, and McDermott just got angry. He's like Bill Belichick. Like that was that's and what I want to see. The next week, he started crying at halftime yeah, to, to, like, like, to Tracy Wilson about the when he was losing to the Bucks. That's that's the kind of emotion I want to see. So yeah, I would say Bills Patriots or Bills Chiefs, and, and probably Bills Chiefs if we're talking about a game that everyone in the country would sit down and watch if it was on TV tonight. Yeah. I think um, Packers Niners might qualify as sort of a modern ish rivalry just because of the way they've gone back and forth over the last few years. Yeah. And I mean, even because in the 90s, they were playing all the time, but then they had that wall because the 49ers weren't good from 2004 to 2011. <laughs> 
Tony Pritchard of the Jets. That's pretty good. Washington and common decency is a huge rivalry. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, what a big jam. <laughs> That's clever. Washington and a modicum of, of decency. Anyway, all right, next question. So we agree players, we Chiefs Bills. What's that? Chiefs Bills. Is that our answer? For I think all, Chiefs Bills is the best rivalry in That's football. our Boca versus River of the NFL. Yeah, there, yeah. It's the uh yeah. I mean, if like we got Chiefs Bills in the divisional game, divisional round this past year, and everyone was like, Well, that's basically the Super Bowl. And they weren't wrong. And then neither team made the Super Bowl. Break. And then the Bengals lost in the Super Bowl. Anyway, uh, what player to Matthew Stafford? What player? I'm sorry. What players from the past would you guys like to see in today's NFL? Thinking more quarterbacks and receivers in the past have a game of today. Uh, that's from Jack. Uh, I'm not reading your whole username, Jack. Jack M. Hoff. Seven 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 seven. Clever, clever little boy. Um. I cannot believe you just read his whole name. Jack M. Hoff. <laughs> it doesn't sound any better <laughs> when you say it again. That sounds worse. I know. Um, I would say the obvious and immediate answer is Dan Marino. <laughs> yes, Dan Marino is definitely at the top of the list. Um, I feel so bad for people who listen to this on Mondays. They're like, "What? Why are these guys so like <laughs> so goofy?" <laughs> yeah. Um, Marino's up there. I, I'll tell you one that I never thought I would say until um, until CBS maybe started doing the Super Bowl rankings. Terry Bradshaw. What he had like Terry Bradshaw had an absolute howitzer down the field in a in a in a time in like a a, a time when. One, you got your face decleated every five seconds by defenders. And two, teams didn't like to pass the ball. You like he didn't pass much. He wasn't very accurate. And I think that's probably more a byproduct of like I think he has some I think Terry Bradshaw had uh, I don't want to say Josh Allen tendencies because I'm not sh- like I don't know if he would have been mobile or not, but I mean he whipped whipped the ball downfield. So I will say Bradshaw, but Marino is the obvious first answer. Um, I also have two quarterbacks. I won't steal any of your answers. Go ahead. I'm going to go with Randall Cunningham. Yeah. Great I result. think in the modern NFL, they would know how to use his talents much better. Is I mean, your next was, one? Well, he was a beast back then. He was an animal. And so, I mean, being him on Tech Mobile, you never lost. You would literally never lose if you had Randall Cunningham on your team. Ooh. Or Eagles QB1, because I don't think you could use his name. No. Bo Jackson was unstoppable. At Bo Jackson was also unstoppable. My, you can see Michael Vick next. My uh, no, Michael Vick played in the anybody uh, played in the two thousands. I'm not counting. I don't know, man. Michael I Vick was playing players like, from the past. I mean, Michael Vick played until he played. All right, all right. Let's, in the last let's, ten years. Yeah, I can't put him on this list. My other one though is I was going to erase the whole jail thing and have him go to not gym more often. Like, like, all right. Michael Vick comes out of Virginia Tech in 2022 and is drafted by Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Oh, yeah, that would be like that, that's that's sort of where I was going with that one. I, I understand like he is modern, but that would be kind of well. Then that's that's the question. There is what players would you want to see with better offensive minds? Uh, you know, like who didn't get handcuffed by their coaching? You know, like that's a separate question. I mean, I remember watching Vick play the Panthers. I'm trying to think what year it was. I don't think it was a playoff game. 
Like, I'm pretty sure I saw Mike Vick levitate over like a five yard span into the end zone on a scramble for a touchdown. Like, he floated for five yards. Yeah, he was crazy. I mean, Vic is one of the best athletes, one of the most electrifying athletes, and definitely has a great birthday, too. Played with somebody. Is it your birthday? Yeah, same one. What? Me, Vic, Cheater, and Chad. Uh, Vic is one year older than me. Uh, that's fascinating. Fun fact. Um, who so, else? Who's your other quarterback? So my other quarterback is Steve Fran Young. Tarkenton. Oh, that's a good one. And you know why it's Fran Tarkenton is because he is the only player on the top fifteen most passing yards in NFL history. He's the only player in the top fifteen who retired before nineteen ninety, before nineteen ninety five, and he retired nineteen seventy eight. So think about that. So everybody else who's putting up these huge yards, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, all these guys are playing these modern offenses. Fran Tarkenton put up over 47,000 yards, threw for more than Carson Palmer, uh, you know, somebody who was flinging it all the time, threw for more yards than Joe Montana. And he played from, and, and Tarkenton played from 61 to 78. So the fact that he was able to crack the top 15 uh, of all-time passing yards, and the fact that he ran around, uh, and he did all that from 61 to 78, makes me wonder how good he could have been if he played today. Looking at the wide receivers, I don't see a ton that really stand out as, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, unless you want to say, like, I mean, Jerry Rice obviously would be, you know, probably have, I don't know what Jerry Rice's numbers would be today, because he had monster numbers back in the day, but, you could also make the case that Jerry Rice was in an offense that was so far advanced in terms of yeah what everyone else like what everyone else was doing in the league they were way ahead of the curve and so like I'm not I'm not I don't know what argument I'm trying to make here but I, I mean I, I think that like I don't know that Rice would have like one and a half times what he had before I think it would right. I think it would just still have monster numbers. I mean, he had the benefit of a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, there's Hall no guarantee. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah. So, you put him in an offense today, and uh, Baker Mayfield is his quarterback. Who knows what he ends up putting up? So, he the, had. Um, I don't know if this counts. Uh, Damian Tomlinson. When did he? He retired in the 2000s, right? 2000. Yeah, 2000. Yeah, 10 years. I mean, he played those two years of the Jets were sad. I tried to look at only people before 2000. That was my qualifier. But you know what? To eat our own, Brinson. We had our own. No, no, I'm just thinking like LT had in, he won MVP, I believe, in 2006. He had 1,815 rushing yards, 28 touchdowns, averaged 113.4 yards per game, 5.2 yards per carry. He also had 56 catches on 80 targets for 508 yards. He had in 2003 a 100-catch season on 137 targets. I think if you put LT in a modern offense with a good quarterback and a smart offensive coordinator, that he would have a 1,000-thousand season. Yeah. Not and that would be, you know, like people talk about what Christian McCaffrey can do. Are saying your boy Philip Rivers didn't take advantage of him enough? No, I'm just saying, I mean, Dang. you got to remember, dude, like in the early 2000s, running backs were winning MVP. And people weren't, you know, it wasn't a pass heavy league because Bill Polian hadn't winded the competition committee yet because mm -hmm. Belichick was jamming his receivers. And finally, Polian, you know. Uh, I'm going to go. Because Belichick's cheating. Real quick with Steve Largent. 
He uh, is. There are only 20 players in NFL history who have more than 13,000 receiving yards. He is the <clears throat> the only person. I'm dying. He's the only person on that list who played his entire career before 1990. So not during a time where the NFL was heavy on passing, and he still somehow hit 13,000. And also James Lofton. He is number 12 on the all-time receiving list, over 14,000 yards, and was done by 1993. And he put up, you know, the back end of his career, he got to play in the K-Gun offense in Buffalo. Um, so obviously that helped him put up huge numbers, but that wasn't his entire career. Um, you know, started in Green Bay. And I think um, right there. I think you could also add Walter Payton, Jim Brown. Jim Brown's like the coolest person I've ever seen in person. He, he's, he, I walked by him in the hallway. Remember that Audi party we went to in uh, Phoenix, maybe? Oh, Phoenix. Why are you going to rub that stuff in, Brinson? Oh, you weren't there. Oh. I was in Las Vegas. In Vegas, whatever. <laughs> we went to this Audi party. Like was it Audi? Audi? I, don't, I never know. Audi? Audi. Audi? Like an <laughs> Audi belly button. Uh, is that right? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, we went to a car party. <laughs> And I was going to take a leak and I walked down the hallway and Jim Brown is walking with like two handlers behind him. And I was like, Oh my God. I said out loud. Oh my God, Jim Brown. He said, what's up dog. And gave me a fist pound and kept moving. It was incredibly cool. And he won. Not you for me. He, he was just incredibly cool. Um, I just, I think Jim Brown and Barry Sanders are interesting to think about because if they were playing in 2022, would they be workhorses or would, you know what I mean? Like, or would teams, you know, would there be like a um, Tony Pollard behind them that teams would, you, you know what I mean? Like teams just don't, you don't have many workhorses anymore. Yeah, I think that you they would not be workhorses. That's just not the nature of football right now. Like the modern game. And that's the thing about bringing running backs into the modern game is that they're not going to be doing what they were doing. If they can't catch, then they're not going to be as successful as they were back then because no one's getting 300 carries per season. I, I think Jim Brown probably would have, been able to figure out catching the football and Barry Sanders. Yeah, Barry Sanders, man, that would have been awesome. Yeah, Barry Sanders in the favorite. modern game. Yeah. If, if he was, you know, used in maximum capacity. Maybe the one other guy you could, there's somebody else I saw that I want to throw out there. And yeah, maybe not. I mean, pre 2000, I almost said OJ Simpson. That would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could still say it. You already said it. <laughs> no, I didn't actually. You said I it. Almost saying it. I said I almost said it. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. That'll do it. Enough. Let's let's, let's end on Brinson almost saying OJ. <laughs> Great question from Jack M. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's uh, that's it. Oh, Dan Fouts. Somebody in the chat threw a Dan Fouts. That that works. Fouts could sling it. Yeah. Loves a good uh, Oregon Pino too. And also lost to the Cincinnati Bengals in the 1981 AFC Championship game. How dare you? Very notable. How dare you insult the Chargers and our colleague Dan Fouts like that. All right. That'll do it for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you're, if you're, if you watch on Friday, have a great weekend. You can tweet my wife, happy birthday at AKW Brinson on Twitter. If you're listening on Monday, happy birthday. Again. Happy belated birthday for Breach. I'm Brinson. We will see you guys tomorrow or next week. Later.
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.